We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us for this episode is Jamie Beschler. He is a leadership coach, speaker, and author of a brand new book, The Boss Trip, that we're going to talk about today. So building and facilitating leadership in our teams and our cultures misrepresented. Big talking point here, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. At Gary Kernin on Twitter, at Gary Kernin on Instagram. Before we start, two quick announcements. I'm going to do a training session webinar on cutback crosses on Tuesday, February 12th at 4pm Eastern, free to all members of the Modern Soccer Coach community platform. So to join modernsoccercoach.com slash community, or if you want to get a free book and a year subscription for only $60, head to modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. And then second of all, this podcast is sponsored by Bounce Athletics. If you are a coach and running a summer camp, Bounce Athletics offers fully customized, micro-stitched, textured premium camp balls for under $9 a ball. And we will have details of a discount for Modern Soccer Coach listeners later in the show. Here is Jamie. Enjoy. Jamie, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach podcast. Really excited to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be here, Gary. I love your podcast and uh, uh, excited to uh, talk to you for a few minutes here. Okay, so the book, The, the Boss Trip, great story about the players finding the solutions and holding each other accountable and a team that does this this u-turn or whatever you want to call it that again with the players driving it is is definitely the dream of any coach who you know wants to turn their team around and, and change the fortunes in the in the book in particular or or even in general what do you think is the key for a coach to build a leadership group can that can drive those standards that that is a great question and and I really think oftentimes if if you want the situation that that occurs in this book you know the ideal situation where players are leading one another where players are holding each other accountable to to certain standards then you as a coach actually has to kind of cultivate and foster that kind of of a culture a culture where it is okay where where you're equipping you're empowering the players to be able to do that and and you know not every coach does that. I know I didn't do that early on in my career. You know, it was all about, well, I'm smarter than you. I, mm. I was hired to do this job. I'm the smartest guy in this locker room. I'm the smartest guy on game day. And you need to do what I tell you to do because that's because that's the best way for this team to get where we need to be. But I, but I didn't really empower players, and so it wasn't a player-led team. So if you're looking for that on your team, which which I think ultimately we all are, we all want our players to to not only do what we ask them to do, but really just go further and help empower one another and make each other better, then we need to live that out as coaches. And and we need to try to equip them and, and show them how to do things. And so, so you know, I, I talk about there's always going to be metaphorical fires in your locker room or in the back of the bus or whatever. There's going to be issues. There's going to be drama that you have to handle. And, and players, 
they don't know how to do that inherently. Like that's not second nature to them to know how to deal with a teammate who's bad mouthing another teammate or who's bad mouthing the coach or when there's drama or there's conflict, they don't know how to handle that all the time. And so as a coach, I think you have to, you have to help equip them and, and you're either going to give them essentially a fire extinguisher or you're going to give them a, a, a can of lighter fluid. So you're equipping your players to either make the situation better or make it worse. And so, you know, this book, you know, I'll be the first to admit this book is an ideal situation. Certainly, it's not going to your season won't be turned around in one bus trip. Um, you know, that's, that's such a rare occurrence, but what I wanted to do was provide, provide some situations and provide some opportunities for kids to understand maybe what their conversations could look like. Uh, and, and they're not going to be perfect and they're not going to always be able to say those kind of things, but I wanted coaches to be equipped and be able to give kids a book that shows them, hey, this is what you could say in a conversation when it occurs. Yeah, those informal conversations that they're having at, I suppose, in the business place, it's the it's the cooler conversations. And in, <laughs> yep. in sports, it's it's the back of the bus, it's the dorm room for the college coaches, and they they almost, to a certain extent, frame the success of our team. And again, I think a lot of coaches will struggle with the parent influence because that impact of what they're saying drives a lot of how the player will perceive the situation. Uh, one thing I'm I'm grateful for with my parent was they always took the teacher and coaches, they always took their side and it was frustrating for me as a kid, but now <laughs> it's something that I want to do with my kids. <laughs> like how can a coach communicate these messages when there is noise from either a social setting or even a family setting? Yeah. Another great question, because that, that is a, a real, a realistic issue that we deal with a realistic obstacle. And, and one of the things I think I know I, I did, I think I did it wrong when I first started off coaching. And, and I think this will sound familiar to a lot of the coaches listening is that I said, I don't want to talk to player or excuse me. I don't want to talk to parents about playing time. I don't want to talk to parents about your role on the team. I'll talk to them about other things, but I don't want to talk to them about these things. I'm going to talk to you as the player. And then you need to communicate to your parent about that. And I don't think in theory, that's the wrong way to go about it necessarily because you're trying to build responsibility in your player and you don't want to you don't want to uh, muddy the waters with that parent. But what I think happens is when we don't when we don't address things and we don't engage positively with parents, there there creates this void. If they don't understand what's going on or if they don't see your point of view, there's going to be this void. And and I think a lot of times when we avoid these conversations with parents, it creates this bigger void that's going to be filled by something else. And almost always it's going to be negativity or it's going to be something counter to what we would want them to know. So I actually take the approach that I think coaches need to do more to engage parents and actually look at them not as the enemy or not as they're holding these kids back, but look at them as they're another resource that we can use to build and create this culture that we're trying to build. Because if we can get the parents on board with stuff, if we can get them where, you know, kind of like your parents, you talk about where they take the side of the coach, not necessarily that the parents always take the side of me, but that the parents are seeing my side a little bit more. And maybe they're saying, 
you know, hey, you need to look at this from coach's perspective. Yes, we don't agree with what's going on or we don't agree with your playing time, but let's look at why coach is doing this and let's give them the benefit of the doubt just a little bit more. But I don't think that happens if we're not bringing the parents into the program and, and having conversations with them and trying to build relationships just like – you know, we want to build a strong relationship and connection with our players so we can have tough conversations. We need to do the same thing with parents and we need to look at them as they can be on our side. They can this could be a teamwork, a team, part of the team, and it can be more of a partnership than look at it's it's in confrontation or we're always in opposition to the parents. Going back to the book, was the leadership group, do you think this was built intentionally or accidentally by by Coach Don? Yeah, you know, the one thing with this book, in, and, uh, you know, I would love to write a perfect book, and uh, I, I was pleased with, with the result of the book, but one thing I purposely did was I didn't make Coach Dunn the central figure in the book. Certainly, as the coach, he, is a, he has a large part in the book. But I wanted this to be more player driven and more player centric. And so what I tried to do was I tried to make Coach Dunn be almost like your average coach where he means well, he does some good things, but he also does some things that, you know, might drive a player crazy or might not be the way we want a coach to do it. And so I tried to make him kind of average where he's flawed, but he kind of means well, but that regardless what he does or doesn't do, that the players can still react in uh, the way that we would want them to react. And so, you know, I think ultimately coaches, your culture is going to be based on what you emphasize or you allow essentially what you reinforce or you allow those players to get away with. And, and I think, you know, I would like to say that coach Dunn did some great things to make the players come together and, and make them think about things. But, you know, what I wanted the players, any player that reads this book, I want them to come away thinking no matter if my coach is John Wooden or Anson Dorrance or the best coach in the world or whether my coach is tremendously flawed, I can still do what I'm supposed to do. And, and we have goals on this team and I can help our team get to these goals, even if the coach is equipping us like he should or the coach is not doing what they should. And so, you know, I think ultimately we want coaches to put their leadership groups or, or build strong leadership amongst their teams. That's the ideal. That's what I think all coaches should be striving for, but it's not always going to happen. And so I would love to see players step up, even though they're, they're not the ones that should be the mature ones in a relationship. They're not the ones that should be relied on to step up, but sometimes they're going to need to do that because even if you have a great coach, a great coach that does all the right things, if the players just are, are kind of being an anchor uh, or, or just holding that team back, then that can really make it difficult for a coach to, to, to develop the culture that they want. You know, that coach will set that vision, but the players are going to eventually are, are going to carry out that vision. And so, um, you know, I wanted players when they read this book to see that, hey, these are some things that we can do regardless if coach is upset, frustrated, or if, if coach is encouraging us. You know, no matter what coach is doing, we can still do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Was that done intentionally then with the flaws because you think that that would be more impactful because there are a lot of flawed coaches out there? <laughs> I think, I think 
most of us coaches have some flaws. And, and I think a lot of parents and players will pick up on those flaws a lot of times and they will, uh, you, you know, they won't let those go sometimes. And uh, what I wanted was I purposely didn't want a book where the coach was the best coach or a great coach and everything that they said was just gold and they never made mistakes. I, I wanted players kind of an undertone of the book. I wanted the players to see that, you know what, I can always step up and do what I'm supposed to do. Now it might not be easy. And, and certainly if you're dealing with 15 year olds or 14 year olds, you know, especially at the youth level, it's, it's, a, it's much easier said than done, but you've got to start somewhere and you've got to provide them kind of a, a blueprint or a, a model of what they could say, because you and I have both been in locker rooms, whether we were young kids or college players or at the professional level, we've been in locker rooms or we've been around players that don't say the right thing or don't act the right way. And that kind of makes that fire that I talked about in the locker room that's burning those issues. It, it kind of makes it worse. And so I wanted to give players, I haven't really seen a lot of books out there um, that really give players some ideas, practical ideas about what they could say in a certain situation. And, and, and certainly, you know, you and I are, our, our friends in a locker room, I might not feel comfortable talking to you about some of these things and having an honest discussion, but that's where the coach comes in is, Hey, we're in this together. We're trying to, to achieve this goal. Hey, I want you guys to hold each other accountable, but hold each other accountable to standards that maybe you guys all buy into to begin with. And, and I want players to understand that, they can have conversations with each other. And you notice in the book, every conversation that happens is from uh, a friend or a roommate. It's never somebody that doesn't get along with somebody else, because I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's realistic, you know, and, and sometimes we have these kids on our teams that try to lead and try to get someone to do something, but they don't have a relationship. And so that kid that's, that's struggling, you know, they don't listen to the leader same way if we don't have as a coach a relationship with a player that player is probably not going to trust us and so they're not going to they're not going to buy into what we're selling so you know every conversation that happens it happens with people that have a strong bond a strong relationship and that's who can hold each other accountable 100% you're at the mercy of the support group to a certain extent and we're trying to impact that support group to make sure that Again, those those voices impact choices in, in, a, in a real positive way. I, I, the thing I struggle with is what more can we do as coaches? Because I've done it both. I've I've stood off, kind of let let it shape itself. I've also then tried to impact it um, by having the meetings with leadership groups. And to be honest, I found both were a really really slow, almost uh, inauthentic process. <laughs> Look. How, how do you think a coach should basically deal with, with a player who is going back to the dorm and you know that the player has a certain amount of potential, but is hearing those, is hearing those voices and knows that they're not going to get that good advice? How much should a coach step in and try to, you know, because the, because the coach in the book doesn't really step in and it works out. Should coaches do that or should they, should they get more information or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely think coaches need to do whatever they can to find a win-win solution and to to develop and grow 
uh, and make their players better because that's what most of us are in this for. You know, there are a handful of people that, that are really just in it for themselves as coaches, but most coaches and, and certainly the ones listening to your podcast, they're in this for the right reasons. They want to help their kids or their players develop. And, and so I think part of that is developing them as people and developing them to make good decisions, or this is how, not necessarily, I'm going to tell you what to think, but, I'm going to help you think things through and I'm going to help you see things from not just your perspective. Uh, I don't want you to just see the tr your tree, but see the whole forest. And a lot of times players and coaches just see things sometimes from just their one perspective. So, so coaches get into this problem too saying, and, and I was the same way, especially as a young coach is that players should do this. They should do that, or they shouldn't do this. And we get into this theoretical, this they should or shouldn't do things. But the reality is I see things as a middle-aged coach differently than a 15-year-old sees things. And so I, we, have to, we have to see things from a different perspective than we normally would. But with that being said, you know, as a coach, we got to look at this and say, all right, this is what these players are going through. This is some of their struggles. This is, this is the things that, all right, if, if I say parents are, are not good in their lives, well, then where are they getting this leadership development? Where are they getting character development? How are they learning what they know? And so I need to step in as a coach and say, listen, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to help lead this young person on the path and, and take them from where they are right now to where they need to be. Because ultimately we're, we're developing the next generation of leaders. We're developing the next husbands, wives, fathers, you know, mothers, business people, teachers in our community. And so it's more than just the X's and O's, the, the strategies. Um, it, it's more than that. And so I think the people that are listening to your podcast understand that, but as coaches, we need to look for every opportunity to help them grow and to empower them to make choices on their own, but to make good choices. Do you think it's harder today with those conversations or, or facilitating those conversations within the team because of technology and this increase in young people and players doing the majority of their communication through social media? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point, Gary. And I think our communication has never been easier to, to on the base base level to communicate. But I think we, what we miss is that meaningful communication or the connection. Um, you know, it's easier to communicate with our players now more than ever, but it's harder to really get our point across and to really have a deep conversation, uh, to have a nuanced conversation. And it's harder to, to, to connect with them because we do rely on quick sound bites. We do rely on the quick, you know, 280 characters or a real quick social media post, or, um, you know, we, we rely on that a little bit, but also there's a lot of noise out there and with social media. And, and when I first started off coaching, you know, we didn't have social media. And so, you know, they weren't, unless they were actually talking with somebody, they weren't getting a lot of noise or something counter or dissonance. Now they can get that all the time on social media and they can get all different kinds of things that are going counter to maybe what I'm saying. So yes, it, it is a little bit more challenging, 
because we have to overcome a lot more things. But that also means that our message has to be more concise. We have to be more clear. Uh, we have to be on our P's and Q's and be on the ball about how we're going to communicate and, and what we're communicating and making sure that not only we think we're communicating correctly, but we're communicating in such a way that they interpret the message the way that it was intended. We're just going to take a quick break here. If you're a coach and you're running a summer camp, Bounce Athletics offers premium camp balls for under $9 a ball. To receive free shipping with delivery in May, order by February 15th. These are the same camp balls that are used by major Division One programs like Wake Forest, Crichton, Texas Tech, Michigan State, Florida State, to name just a few. They also offer approved custom textured training balls for under $25 per ball and can turn orders round in as little as four weeks. So you're ready to roll for the spring season. Modern Soccer Coach listeners can get a $50 discount on their first order of custom balls or training vests by mentioning the podcast when they email info at bounceathletics.com to begin the process. Back to Jamie. Yeah, this is an interesting topic because I think social media, we talk about social media and how, I don't know, harmful we think it is to players spend so much time it is. But I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Great cultures today and culture is a word that's it's the buzzword of the year, almost the buzzword of the last two or three years that everyone's reaching for. But some of the things that aggravate me when it's trying to be communicated is that the same people that try to communicate that it's all about relationships actually use their results and their success to do their biggest sell. So can we, can we get away from, or ask you this instead, can a coach have a great culture and still lose every game? <laughs> um, wow. I will give you the, the worst answer possible <laughs> is it depends on the situation, but yeah. I will, I will say you're not going to have a great culture for very long. If you keep losing, because of human nature, you know, we want to win. We don't want to be failures, but you know, it goes to what level you're at, what your goals are, what, what, uh, the organization or that school that you're at, what, what they value most. Um, ultimately though, I would say, and, and I would, I really believe this is that if you have a positive culture, a, a culture where everybody is working together, to lift one another up and you're putting your team goals in and you have this vision and, and it's, it's really an unselfish culture. I think that you're not going to go very long where you're not winning. I think it's going to take care of itself provided you don't have a whole bunch of, you know, basketball players playing soccer or soccer players playing basketball. You know, if, as long as you don't have people completely in the wrong roles or, or, you know, you know, you're not going to be able to take a, a whole bunch of, you know, 120 pound kids and play American football, you know, and, and even though you have a great culture, expect to win. So you do have to have some pieces there. Uh, but I do think that culture is going to uh, is, is going to lift each other up. And, and you talk about relationships. I think that that is so crucial. Um, and I think the results are going to follow a lot of times because you're going to have when you have a strong relationship with someone you're going to have more trust. You're going to know, like, and trust them a little bit more. And so you're going to have their back a little bit more. You're going to fight for them 
a little bit more. You're going to be a little bit more focused on trying to help them or man, I'm not going to let my teammates down because I actually like them and, and I don't want them to, to fall short of their goals. And, and when you have a team that maybe has talent, but doesn't have that kind of trust or those kind of relationships, it, it starts to be a, you know, I'm in it for myself, a, a me type thing. And you don't, you don't have anything that motivates you when the chips are down and when adversity strikes um, because no one's lifting you up and you're not lifting anyone else up. Um, I think relationships are, are crucial um, because we're, you know, as coaches, we're in a sales, we're, we're salesmen. We're, we're, we're trying to sell a philosophy or we're trying to sell, Hey, you've got to put your own agenda or your own ego on the back burner for the good of the team. You're always trying to sell something but people aren't going to buy it if they don't have a, a relationship with you to where they trust you or some kind of a bond with you. And, and that's why we see coaches like with the San Antonio Spurs or Greg Popovich who can dog cuss his star player out, but they're able, but you know, that player doesn't quit on him because they know that, that there's actually love with that tough love. It's not just tough. And, and so, yeah, I think you can have a strong culture, um, even though you're losing, I'm not sure how long you can have that, but I do know you can have that as long as your values are all aligned and there's mutual trust and respect among the, among the team members. I wish there was more transparency. I think this is a massive elephant in the room for the coaching community, because I do think you talk about coaches, sales, salespeople, like that's, that's happening in coach education. So if it's those great coaches, those great cultures, the San Antonio Spurs, the Golden State Warriors, the All Blacks, like, yeah, all, like unbelievable culture, but we're still being sold that basically, and I had this at, you know, low level division one where you know, we weren't successful because there was people at the top 20 schools that were doing all the things that we weren't doing. But then lo and behold, you go and meet these people three years later and you find out they weren't doing any of it. Like they weren't, they were staying out all night. They were partying. They were fighting with teammates. They weren't speaking to coaches. This this picture perfect world of culture doesn't really exist. That's what I would like to see a little bit more of. That the coach who is four and fifteen maybe has to work a little bit harder to drive that culture because there are more moving pieces in place and they deserve more credit than the person who is twenty and zero. And he's got talent because of their location, their resources, their finances, and their winning record. Oh, you're 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 absolutely spot on, you know. And and uh, you know it is tough. You know, sometimes you look at these teams, and these teams might be five hundred. You know, they they might have, you know, the same amount of wins as the same amount of losses. But man, because they had such a great culture, they didn't end up with a losing record. You know, they got about everything they could out of their talent, but they had such a good culture or they trusted one another or, you know, we have common goals or, you know what, we're, we're all facing the same adversity and we're going to get through it together. We're going to win together. And when we lose, we're going to lose together and we're not going to point fingers and the coach isn't going to say, yeah, they got to get tougher. You know, how many times did I say that my first couple of years of coaching? They got to do this. They got to do that. No, you know, we, we're all in this t- together. And we're going to win. We're going to lose together. We're going to celebrate successes together. Um, and we're going to overcome challenges together. Yes. Which brings us on nicely to the the 10 things that all the players can do, which is almost the final piece in the puzzle of the book. 
I wanted to talk about this. Does this, does these 10 things that we've seen different variations of them on social media, do they reduce our responsibility as coaches then to teach mental skills? Because we're asking our players to, they lose the excuses, excel in your role, always be on time. Do we paint a picture of the perfect athlete uh, and then almost step out of the way and say, all right, you, you're responsible for being perfect and I'll show up and open the gates and I'll, and, and we should win. <laughs> well, I do think that if we, if we have a, a whole team doing these things, then, then that will make coaching much easier. But on the same, uh, on the flip side, if we have coaches that are focused on helping players understand what they can do and the little things that they can do and how they can contribute, uh, whether they're the star player or they're the worst player on the team, that there's little things we can always do to make our team better at all times. I think we'll have a better team as well and we'll have a more sustainable culture uh, of success. Um, yes, these 10 things, uh, you know, I, I used in my very first book that came out a few years ago, I had the same thing, 10 things all players can do regardless of their role. Um, I changed some of those 10 things. I, I, I condensed some of them. I made some of them better um, for this next book. And, and I like what we came up with, but it is, it is an ideal situation. It, it, it's maybe not the perfect player, but the more of these things that you can do. So, so it, you know, we're always dealing in nuance. We're always dealing in a continuum. You know, I don't think anyone ever gets to the point where, uh, you know, there, you take any one of those 10 things and say, excel in your role or display a good attitude. I don't think it's always, Hey, you've arrived, you know, you got that one down. You can move on to the next one. It's a continual process and a journey to try to be as good as you can be in each of those 10 things, but to continually improve in those 10 things as well. And, and I'd say a next level is, is not necessarily once you master one of those, but once you feel like, okay, this has become a habit for me, a habit that I'm pretty much doing this a lot. Um, I'll have setbacks, but I'm doing these things. You know, I'm, I'm displaying a good attitude. It's, it's become a habit for me. Now, how can I help my teammates to do that as well? Um, you know, and that goes into one of my favorite, favorite sayings about leadership is a leader doesn't just develop good followers. They develop more leaders. And so if you're really good at displaying a good attitude, now how can I help somebody else to display a good attitude? You know, how can I encourage my teammates to be better in, in these areas? And so, yeah, you know, it would be perfect player if they were awesome in all 10 of these areas. But, um, you know, I don't think you have to have all 10 to be great. We'll take our final short break here. The aluminum folding dynamo goal from Bounce Athletics is the world's most portable and durable small-sided goal, weighing only 19 pounds and only taking five seconds to set up or fold flat. The dynamo goal is utilized by the entire North American soccer spectrum from rec programs to MLS clubs. Available in a 3x5 or 4x6 size, the dynamo goal requires no staking, so it's perfect on all training surfaces. Net customization is also available for those programs looking to create a professional training environment. The goals start at only $257 per goal with free shipping. And Modern Soccer Coach listeners will get a $50 discount on their order when they use the code MODERN, not case sensitive, at checkout. Visit www.dynamogoal.com for complete details. Back to Jamie. I really like the checklist. I, I, I think... I think that's valuable, especially with 
players, young players, and trying to get consistent processes daily. I like hearing your perspective on trying to make the situation, even though it's a little bit idealistic, trying to make the coach a little flawed and trying to make some things a little imperfect. The thing that I would want to challenge coaches and challenge coaches more is their level of awareness and their level of, like I said, their level of perspective of what is a good culture, what is a bad culture. Because I think we're we're in a little bit of a deficit because of social media or whatever it is. But I also think then that when we, you know, when you talk about displaying a good attitude or encouraging team members or supplying them with energy and effort, then does this then, does this challenge or does this not challenge the perception of the coach? The coach's eyes are what, what encouragement is. And for us to kind of push teams better, we want our players to do the challenging for us. Otherwise, we're going to be met with resistance and that relationship will break down. So I suppose what I'm asking is, should we not encourage players to go against maybe just pushing people a little bit more? Like for the Michael Jordan, can we challenge players a little bit more as opposed to, does that player not read that and say, all right, I just have to tell them good job all the time? <laughs> yeah, uh, good point. And we don't want whether it's a coach or a player, we don't want that. You know the the pom poms. We don't want that kind of cheerleader. You know where where you're down twenty points with a minute to go, and you're still cheering that. Hey, we can do this. You know we're number one. You know that's that's fault. You know that's that's hollow. What we want is the encouragement of, hey, you can do this because. You know, you can do this because I saw you do this last Tuesday or remember when coach told you to do that and you did this or remember in that game you did this or, hey, coach recruited you because of X, Y, Z. So it's always encouraging you can do this because of something tangible, something and and almost all of us, it's only going to be a rarity where there's somebody out there that that you can't find anything to encourage them for almost everybody even the kid that drives you nuts probably has some kind of strength or they've shown some kind of um, propensity to do something that can help out the team. And, you know, early on in my coaching career, my first couple of years, I really struggled um, at, at doing this. And then uh, actually uh, our soccer coach gave me this book by uh, Tony uh, uh, DeChico, is it? And yeah. Colleen Hacker uh, called Catch Them Being Good. Yeah, brilliant book. And, and it really changed my perspective on that because I was this coach that, well, I shouldn't pat you on the back because you did what we, what you're supposed to do. Cause that's what you're supposed to do. And so I started seeing this as, Hey, I've got to add value to people's lives by encouraging them to keep doing either to keep doing the things that they're doing, which is good, or to encourage them to do the things we're asking them to do that they're not doing, but I know that they can do it because I've seen them do it before. So somehow you're finding ways to catch them being good so that that motivates them to do more. And, and it can be a negative, positive type thing. Like, okay, you have a kid that's not doing what they're supposed to do. Well, you don't have to beat them down with a stick all the time. You can say, hey, that's not how we do things here. Plus I've seen how you've done this before. You did this last Tuesday or you did this you know, remember last year in that crucial game when you pulled us through, we would never have made it if you hadn't done this, this or this, you know, so you can tell them that your behavior is not acceptable, but you have value 
to our team and to your team members because of whatever. Um, you know, this year we had, or this year, you know, in college football, Dabo Sweeney had to, you know, he had a, a kid go off in a game and, and it was not a good thing. And he made that kid ride back on a different bus, on the manager bus, instead of flying back. But Dabo Sweeney didn't essentially throw the kid under the bus and, and, and say, this is this is a bad kid. We don't want him around. He said, this is a kid that made a mistake, but he's a good kid, but he made a mistake. But there's consequences and he's going to face those consequences. You know, when somebody messes up on your team or is not living up to the standard, you have to let them know that they're not living up to the standard. But you also have to give them hope and you also have to help them see what they could do better, what they could do different and how they have it within them. It's not just, you know, I'm asking you to do something you can't do. We know you can do this. We know you can do better. Yeah, but but is that is then Dabo Sweeney not is he not getting away with the fact that he's got a multi million dollar budget to to or a or a national championship to sell these lessons? I mean, if, if I was coaching a high school and I got everyone a subway and we all sat in the restaurant and John or Susie had to sit in the bus and eat their sub, I'd be out of a job the next morning. Yeah, you probably you're right. Uh, those coaches that win more often are or have those huge contracts. Yes, it is a little bit easier for them to do that, to do those kind of things. I, I will give you that uh, 100%. Um, but I think in th I, th I think the philosophy remains the same in terms of as a coach, you definitely what you want to make sure that you're not doing is you're not taking motivation away from players. You're not you want to constantly inspire them as much as possible to do their best. Now, when players are going to not meet expectations or not meet standards, and as coaches, we always are dealing with that. You know, we always have a player or two that are not living up to the standards, whether it's their performance or, or their character or decision-making, whatever it is, we do have to hold them accountable. We have to let them know that that's not acceptable. Now, how that's going to look for every single program is different. So let's say I'm a, I'm a, um, I'm a high school coach or a college coach, a lower level college coach listening to this right now. You don't want to do what Dabo Sweeney does or Nick Saban does or Anson Dorrance does and say, all right, this is the template. I'm going to do exactly what they did because it worked for them. Um, you have to be wise about your situation. I, I heard a couple of years ago this saying of, you know, knowledge is knowing that a fruit is a tomato, but wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. You know, as coaches, we have all this intelligence or this knowledge, or we know what we what might be done by Dabo Sweeney or Nick Saban or what the textbooks tell us or what this podcast tells us, but we have to take that information and knowledge and use it appropriately and wisely in our situation. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying about the this the Dabo Sweeney's and the Nick Sabans of the world, and but they, they are not preaching context. They are not preaching. This is what I did in this situation, and here are six other things that you should do. What the messaging in coach education, even if it is coach education, a branding like business. Their books tell you to do exactly what they do. This is what leadership looks like. And when you get to the real world, it actually doesn't look like that because you're experiencing something that that they are, the contexts are completely different. 
would it not be better for these these people who are who are on unbelievable platforms to impact and influence? Would it not be better that they actually told everyone that it only worked there because of this? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, you know, Nick Saban had an ex- had had a situation a couple of years ago that he was able to weather the storm because it was Nick Saban and his program is so good, but. Uh, I think there's a couple. I think there's a couple lessons from a story. You know, he had a quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who ended up transferring, but Jalen Hurts got benched in a championship game that they ended up winning. And the next year, in the fall, in the preseason, Jalen Hurts is going on TV. He's still on the team. This is before he transferred. He's going on TV and he's saying, "There's no coaches that ever talk to me about being benched. I, I, they never approached me. They never told me why I was being benched." Um, and, and that was something new for the Alabama program because they don't have players that speak out. You know, they're like the Patriots, mm. New England Patriots. They don't have players that speak out. So that was new. But here's the thing is, is everybody in America that knows football is saying to themselves, well, no one has to say anything to you, Jalen, because everybody knows it's a, it's a culture of competition. And you weren't getting it done and they needed to make a change for that game. But the reality of the situation is Jalen Hurts might know that that player might know that, but there's still a person with feelings and a coach might have talked to him after the game, but they didn't talk to him in such a way that Jalen remembers that Jalen. It did not get rectified in Jalen's mind. And so here you have a program that everybody looks at as the best culture or, you know, everybody does, does what they need to do. It's great standards, great accountability. But here you have a high-profile player who had their feelings hurt or, or weren't, wasn't communicated with in a way that they needed to be communicated with. And so if, if that's other than a Clemson or an Alabama, you could lose your team that way. And, and here you got a Nick Saban or a place where they have good culture, but the coaches are essentially assuming that players know what they should know. And you're assuming that players are going to act a certain way. And that's not always the case. We can't assume that our players understand why we're sitting them. We can't assume that they understand why we called this play the way we did or why we did, you know, overhear what we did. We have to be communicating with our players and constantly be seeing things from their perspective. We're asking them to put their ego aside and and do what's best for the team, but then we don't communicate with them enough or in a way that they need to, or we don't give them hope or show them a show them a reason to be inspired when they come to practice. And, and I think we need to do a better job as coaches of not assuming things and, and not saying, hey, they'll understand. No, we have to help them understand and we have to help show them, but we also have to provide them hope and we have to, we have to inspire them. All right, we're almost out of time. Last question for you. Again, it kind of goes back to the start, the coach that wants to build this. I know a lot of high schools and clubs are going to start in the next couple of weeks. I mean, what would be what would there be the one piece of advice if there was one bit of gold that you would give them to to work with their players or to put something in place and some types of processes that that they could basically start the to cultivate this this uh, culture of leadership, I suppose. Yeah, I would say, are are you trying to build up leaders? Um, I think we should all be trying to develop a a, a team of leaders, not just our three captains or our two captains or whatever it is. I think we should be trying to build up everybody as a future leader. 
Um, and even if they don't get to that mark of being, you know, the captain or the positional leader, they might be a little bit better as being a leader because really leadership is really just influence. It's one person influencing another. And so if you can help your players, all of them, not just a couple of them, but if you can help develop all of them to be better influences, um, then I think that you're going to see a, a drastic improvement in your culture. And you're going to see a few less issues and drama that you're going to have to deal with. You're never going to eliminate that. No team eliminates drama or issues, but you can minimize that if more of your players are are seeing things from a leadership perspective and trying to positively influence, you know, themselves and their best friends on the team. Jamie, thanks so much. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, Gary. I appreciate it. Enjoyed my time. Thanks so much to Jamie for his time and his insight there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Yeah, the player-led cultures is something that I think we, we need to get there. We need to keep working. We need to cultivate and build leadership groups. Only yesterday I got a message about how should you organize your captains and when would you take away your captain. And I think we need to expand that view and instead look at the potential of a full team full of captains and team leadership and, and really put time into those groups and allow them to make decisions, to have ownership, to make mistakes and to, to work in some teaching with that as well. And then alongside that, that's where the, the second half of the conversation went for me was can we challenge these social media posts about all the great players should be doing X, Y, and Z. And no one is more guilty than me from doing this in the past. I, I have stopped because I have seen the flaws in it 100% is that as coaches, even though it does get a lot of retweets, it does get a lot of likes, but when we're demanding that players come in every day and have all these perfect qualities, it does take away the responsibility of a coach to teach them and to take them through this journey of learning to, to face adversity and, and building resilience and, and overcoming situations where you're not feeling at your best and you're not your best. And I think as well for, for mental well-being, I think it's okay for people to say that they're not feeling great or maybe they're not at it. And I think it, if it's a safe environment that that's accepted and that's embraced, I think it's going to, to help players stay in these environments a bit longer and I think it's going to help players put a little bit more into these environments as well. And I think both of those are areas that we're having problems with in youth sports. We're having issues with retention. We're having issues with engagement. So I think we should reconsider the demands that we're placing on players from a mental point of view. And as well at the elite level, I think how we judge attitude and how we judge no excuses and I think that's really, really open to context as well. And and for me, uh, when I want to communicate with a player, I want to know their perspective. And yeah, you, you don't want excuses, but at the same time, you need to know how they feel. You need to know what they're going through if you're going to help them through a problem or help them through some situation. So that's something that I enjoyed the chat with Jamie and completely respect his opinion on it as well, that he's not necessarily providing solutions there. He's providing ideas for players to get better. So love that. Love that conversation. We'd love to know what you think. At Gary Kareen on Instagram, at Gary Kareen on Twitter. Please, before you go, if you wouldn't mind leaving a five-star review on the podcast, it helps with the numbers, it helps with the sponsors, it helps us get the awareness out. Really appreciate you listening, really appreciate your support. Have a great weekend, goodbye.
Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com. 